Let me just pray for us. Is that okay? I just, uh, let's just pray. Father, I just, I'm really wanting you, God, to break in. We thank you that you're here. We thank you for what you've already done. We don't want to just go through the motions of listening to interesting information and not be changed. God, we want to meet with you. We want to be inspired by this lady I'm going to speak about. We want to be provoked by her and encouraged by her. And so, Father, I pray that you'd put something in us, that you'd deposit something in us this morning, and that we would be changed as a result of what you do. Father, we want to be inspired and spurred on to be all that you've called us to be. Uh, Father, we just pray, Holy Spirit, come speak. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, I am going to be speaking this morning to you about a lady called Tracy Evans. This is Tracy Evans. Put your hand up if you've ever heard of Tracy Evans before. Awesome. Okay, so a few of you, but not too many. Well, let me introduce you to her. Keep your hand up if you haven't got a sheet. They are coming. So there's a few more over here, guys. Thanks for being so patient. Um, Let me introduce you to Tracy Evans. Tracy Evans is um, trained as a physician's assistant, and she has been a medical missionary in over 64 nations for the last 30 years. Um, She's an incredible woman, and she's currently actually leading a ministry in Mozambique. So if you look at the map, Mozambique's down the bottom right-hand corner, and uh, it's called I Reach Africa. And as part of that ministry... Her and her team have built a baby clinic, they run a feeding program, and they're currently actually feeding um, 900 orphans and their carers, which is is no small thing. And on top of that, Tracy and her co-workers have planted 21 churches, they've developed two prison ministries, and they've built a preschool. So she is amazing, and actually... um, our, our very own Mike and Ali Green went to visit her just over a year ago now. So what I, what I feel excited about when I talk about Tracy is there are some connections between us and her. So this is not some random person who no one's ever known. Mike and Ali have actually been with her and spent time with her and seen it in action. And so I'm really excited about sharing her story with you. And I wanted to start with one of my most favorite miracles that I've ever read about. And I'm going to leave out all of the detail because it is a little bit gruesome and there are young ears in the room. But adults, if you would like to hear the gory details, come and ask me at the end. I'm happy to fill you in. So basically, this is what happened. I actually first read this story in a book by a guy called Bill Johnson. I didn't realize until later that Tracy Evans was actually involved in the whole thing. So she was um, driving an ambulance back from South Africa into Mozambique, and the ambulance was actually empty, but she dressed up as a physician's assistant to help her get across the border easier. Anyway, in front of her was a minibus, and what happened, sadly, is the minibus, uh, one of the tires blew out, and it ended up being in a, a, a very terrible, very terrible accident and very terrible crash. And she obviously stopped her ambulance very quickly and rushed down to begin to give medical aid to people. And she counted up 18, um, 18 casualties. So she's, she's looking around and other people are stopping and she's assessing the situation. And she comes across one woman who is very obviously, sadly, she's very obviously dead. She's got multiple injuries and Tracy notices that and it's very clear. And she places a shirt, a shirt that's on the ground over the lady's head and she carries on, goes and does other things. And as people are stopping and coming to help, some of them don't have a clue what to do. So Tracy decides, well, she sends some to call ambulances because they've got no supplies. She sends some to stop traffic. And she says to the others, 
Um, go and stand by all the different casualties and just pray. That's what she says to them, just pray. And actually, she says this. She said, I want you to pray, God, heal and preserve life here in Jesus' name. And so they go off and they just stand by people and they're praying, okay? And Tracy is dealing with all the people. And then suddenly, the lady who's standing near to the dead lady uh, shouts out to Tracy, Tracy, you need to come and treat this woman. And Tracy kind of says, well, she's, she's dead. I can't do anything for her. And she, says, and she says, no, 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 she started to breathe. And Tracy looks around and she's like freaked. She tells the story in her book. She's freaked out by the whole thing. And she sees this lady sit up. And nothing's happened. She just sees this and, and, and people get freaked out and some people run off because they're like, what the heck's going on? And, and she goes over to the lady, takes, takes the uh, shirt off her head and all the injuries that she had seen, which were very obvious, which I'm not going to go into detail about, have all sorted themselves out, and this lady has been totally healed, which is amazing. So, so good. So good. And um, she shouts out to everyone, the dead ladies, come back to life. Pray. And they're all like, yeah. The prayer. She says the volume of the prayer kind of rises around her. Anyway, it takes two and a half hours for ambulances to get to them. But 14 of the 18 casualties have already been healed. 14 of the 18 casualties and no life was lost. And it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal story of a woman going about her everyday life and, and seeing God's kingdom break in. So she's, she is an inspiring and incredible woman, incredibly humble. And I just want to give you guys some snapshots of her life. And some of the lessons I think she's learned. If you want more information and want to read all the details, this book, Outrageous Courage, has been written about her, and it's absolutely amazing. So, so let's, let me tell you a bit more about her. Uh, interestingly, Tracy became a Christian in the army. So she had been brought up in a very dysfunctional family. Her dad was in prison for much of her early life, and her mum had to work two jobs to care for her and her brothers. And... Uh, by the, by the age of 16, Tracy was ready to leave home. So she uh, packed up and left home. She ran away, and she worked in a restaurant to continue studies, but she actually lived in her car. She actually lived in her car until one day a drunk driver rammed into her car, and the car was totally wiped out, and she found herself homeless, jobless, and desperate, and so she decided to join the army. And actually, she absolutely loved it in the army. She loved being there. This isn't her, by the way. Uh, she loved being in the army, and she thrived there. The only thing that was a frustration to her was that the person put in charge of her platoon was a Christian, and she hated Christians. She hated Christians. In fact, she made it her aim to harass the faith out of Carson, which was the name of this lady who was in charge of her platoon. She wanted to harass the faith out of her because she couldn't stand Christians. And so she would mock Carson. She would booby-trap her lockers before inspections. She'd mess up her uniform. And every time, Carson would respond with grace and mercy and love. And Carson never retaliated once. And Tracy could not understand this. And, And it kind of all came to a head when one day Tracy went out for a run and came back to find Carson ironing her uniform and polishing her boots. And Tracy was like, what are you doing? She just could not understand it. And she ended up asking Carson what was going on. And Carson got to tell her about Jesus. 
Tracy sat on her bed, broke into tears, and gave her life to Jesus that night. Literally, Carson had loved the hate out of her, which is just amazing, amazing, amazing. And very provoking for us. And when it says, love your enemies. And there's the power, that's why. Love your enemies. And uh, what happened is, Tracy recounts that overnight, she affected, essentially she became lovesick for Jesus. And she just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. And uh, she, she made it her aim to talk to anyone and everyone. So she would often knock on all the doors of the barracks and get people out of their barracks and talk to them about Jesus. But she ended up um, causing a bit of disruption and distracting people from what they were meant to be doing, which is learning to be officers and soldiers. So she had to go a bit undercover. So she would often wait in the toilets and sit on the toilet. And she knew that when a, when a lady came in, she had at least 30 seconds to talk to her about Jesus under the, under the toilet stool. On one occasion, she had a, a lieutenant come to her who was meant to discipline her, but she ended up leaving, leading the lieutenant to Jesus, and they joined the choir. And, um, and actually, she was so, so radically transformed and full of joy and incessantly talking about Jesus that they called in a psychiatrist because they thought she was going mad. And she had to meet with the psychiatrist, and she tried to even lead them to Jesus, but they weren't very happy about it, okay? So she suddenly overnight radically transforms. And what ends up happening, interestingly, is because she, she's obviously got a leadership gift on her, and she's having such an influence, and she's distracting the, them from being soldiers, she's actually asked to leave. She, she, they try to transfer her, but that doesn't make any difference. And she, in the end, she gets given honorable discharge from the army, because she's telling too many people about Jesus. And she has to leave the army, which is just phenomenal. Incredible, incredible zeal for Jesus, which is a provocation to me. That, God got hold of that lady in an incredible way that meant she wanted to tell everyone about what he had done. So she left the army, and God really since then has taken her on an incredible journey of seeing God's kingdom break out wherever she finds herself. And she's been on numbers of adventures but what's interesting to me as I read her book is I think one of the major turning points for her was when she had a revelation of God as her father. There was a moment when she really began to understand and know God as her father. And I think that has had a massive impact on loads of other things that she has found herself doing and how she functions. Because the truth is that, as I already said, Tracy grew up in, a, in largely a fatherless home. And uh, although she went to visit her father most weekends, the lack of a father figure really began to take its toll on her. And when she left the army, she felt God speak to her about going to work in a YWAM base back in Los Angeles where she'd, been gro where she'd grown up and to serve in um, crisis shelters there. And it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't long before this issue of her being an orphan and a fatherlessness kind of showed itself and came to the fore because one particular evening she was on shift and she heard a surprising noise somewhere else in the building and she ran to see what was going on and she had learned to protect herself and deal with things through violence, which we all know, kids, is not the way to do it, is it? But she had learned to protect herself through violence and she, she ran to the noise and only to find a guy trying to break into the house. And Tracy just did what came instinctively to her, and she rugby tackled him to the floor. This is a Christian organization. Rugby, rugby tackled him to the floor. There were fists flying everywhere. They both tumbled down the stairs, and then he ran off. And Tracy didn't think anything of it. 
So, right, I've protected everybody from this, this person. After a few more of these scenarios, the staff at YWAM had to have a conversation with Tracy and they said, this is not the way to minister Christ's love to people. But it was so instinctive in her. And what was amazing was they never asked her to leave. They wanted her to stay working with them, but they encouraged her to go on a three-month counseling course to deal with some inner heart stuff. And she went on this course and uh, God began to minister to her. And at one point, God asked her to forgive her dad and she flipped out. It was not what she wanted to hear. It was a really big deal for her. But again, the staff showed her grace and mercy. And really the breakthrough moment came when the guy on the course who'd been teaching about the Father Heart of God came up to Tracy to pray for her. And she came up behind him in a break, which was a little bit foolish now, if you knew anything about her, put, her, put his hand on her shoulder. And again, she responded as she would instinctively turned around and punched him <laughs> to the floor. And at, then, at that point was just like, I can't believe this is still happening, and broke down. Sat, sat on the floor, and this guy who'd been hit very quietly got up and came over to minister to her, which is just amazing, isn't it? And at that point, she got radically set free from anger and violence as she encountered God as father. I think there's a lesson for us in there, guys, that God is speaking to us about never changing the subject of knowing who God is as our Father. And uh, I think this shows you what it can do. When you get a revelation of God as your Father, her life was radically turned around. And if you met Tracy now, I've watched videos of her online. She's, there's not an angry... I mean, she's so full of gentleness and grace. God's radically turned her life around because of that revelation. And I think there's maybe three things that I've picked up as I read about her that she's learned over the years, maybe through this first encounter with God as Father. I think the first thing is she's developed a deep trust in the goodness of God. She's got a deep trust in the goodness of God that she really knows that God is who he says he is. And her actions demonstrate that. So as I said, they are currently feeding 900 orphans in Mozambique. And the reality is that milk is not always easy to come by, and it's quite expensive. And the, th the amazing thing is, actually, they don't do any fundraising as an organization. They simply trust God to provide, which is incredible. And uh, on many occasions, Tracy and her team have driven the two days to South Africa to pick the milk stuff up without the money to pay for it. They've actually driven two days to South Africa with no money to pay for the milk that they need to buy. And uh, Tracy says they've learned to really believe that what Isaiah 55 says is really true. Let me read it to you. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And she said she has seen that happen time and time and time and time again. On one occasion where milk was scarce and there was no money and Tracy talks about how she was nervous, didn't know what God was going to do and she was pretty petrified about all the orphans she was meant to be feeding. In that moment, she'd driven to South Africa again in the same situation. A shipment in South, Af South Africa suddenly, unexpectedly came in with milk and the family that Tracy and her team were staying with announced out of the blue they wanted to give them $14,000. Wow. Wow. And so she was able to buy, and they actually wired the money to the milk company's bank account. So literally, Tracy turned up, 
never gave any money over, but was given so much milk to be able to uh, feed the orphans, which is incredible. And Tracy says this, I believe everything my friends and I are doing in Africa is completely dependent on the supernatural power and provision of God. We are living in a miracle. It's just incredible. She has developed a deep, deep trust in the goodness of her father. Secondly, she's learned to love in the most horrendous circumstances, and I have found this particularly very, very provoking. So Tracy, before she was in Mozambique, spent five years working for a YWAM base just outside Manila, um, working, serving thousands of squatters living on a massive garbage dump just outside Manila. And for the first 12 months she was there, she was sick every day with one disease or another. I mean, that would be enough to put me off. She was sick every day with one disease or another. And loving people meant accepting their hospitality. And partly that meant eating the food that they presented to her. And PJ had some pretty nasty ones last week. Let me tell you some of their delicacies that she had to eat. It might explain why she was so ill. Rats barbecued on an open fire fueled by garbage. Fully fermented eggs with chicken embryos intact. Be a nice one. Um, Boiled pig skin, bristly pig hair included, and fermented fish head soup. She learned to love. In that instance, loving meant receiving the hospitality of the people she was with. She also learned to love people who were massively diseased and and on the point of death. And on one occasion, she tells a story of walking across the garbage dump and seeing a boy who's starving. And uh, she walks past him and she sees the situation, but she can't bring herself to help him because she's faced so much loss. She she just doesn't think her heart can go through it anymore. But in in the night, in a dream, God really speaks to her and it provokes her. And she wakes up in the middle of the night to go and try and find this boy to rescue him. And what she ends up doing is she ends up carrying this boy in a rucksack on her back as she does medical rounds. And uh, she is able to enroll him into one of their feeding programs where he gets treated and cared for and gets the food he needs and and is able to bathe and looked after. And he's actually also got fluid on his brain. So when she first saw him, his, his head was a little bit swollen and it was in, he was in a very difficult state. But what happened was he went into this feeding program. Not only that, God then miraculously healed his medical condition. So water started draining off of his brain without any surgery. And, and his, head, his, his brain and his head was fully restored. And then Tracy says this about this guy's name. His name was Rodrigo. She says, Rodrigo not only survived, he thrived. He quickly gained weight, grew hair and teeth and soon learned to crawl and walk. He chattered, laughed up a storm, and would often sing. There is really nothing more exhilarating than seeing a starving child come back to life like that. Rodrigo taught me that we cannot pick and choose whom we will love and whom we will pass by. We must embrace all those the Lord brings to us. Just amazing, amazing story. And lastly... Um, I think the thing I've learned about Tracy, again, is she lives with immense amounts of courage. And she is willing to say yes to God 
whatever the consequence is, even if it means her life is in danger, which has happened several times. So throughout the course of this book, you read that Tracy's been shipwrecked. Sound familiar? Shipwrecked. She's trekked through jungles and lived with isolated tribes. When she was working on the garbage dump, she actually contracted TB and almost died. And the thing is, she didn't tell any of her work colleagues about it, because if she told them, they would have told her to go away. And she only had enough medication to treat the 19 patients she was treating. So she didn't tell anybody, and she took herself off one night, really ill, slept in a different place, coughing, etc. Overnight, God miraculously restored her. So she woke up in the morning, she was able to breathe deeply, and knew that God had totally healed her of TB. The sad thing was, she wasn't able to celebrate with anybody, because nobody knew that she'd had it in the first place. So I guess that one was just between her and Jesus. But she contracted TB, got miraculously healed. She's been held hostage by communist guerrillas, and she's been caught up in gunfire. In fact, it's, it's actually quite funny. I, I'll read this to you. This, uh, just to finish, let me read this to you. The book is actually written by Chris Vallotton. So for those of you who know uh, the guys over in Bethel, Tracy actually met them early on in her relationship with Jesus because she hid in a church. Uh, she was homeless. She hid in a church and heard this guy walk in playing the piano, worshipping Jesus. She hid in the toilets. It was actually Bill Johnson. And she, she, was, she was hooked by what she was seeing. And anyway, she built a relationship with Bill, with Chris Vallotton, who's written this book. And they've got a massive connection there in relationships still after so many years. But Chris tells this story uh, of, of a, few, a few years ago when he was in a church meeting like this. He says, there's a couple of years ago, the phone rang while I was in church. I looked at the caller ID and realized it was Tracy calling from Africa. I slipped out of the sanctuary to answer her call. Hi, Tracy, how are you doing? I pressed. I'm doing fine, she replied joyfully, but I called to ask you to pray for my Mozambican friends. I could hear a zinging noise in the background, so I asked, what's that noise, Trace? Oh, that's what I'm calling you about. There's a riot outside our house. The police are shooting at everything, and the bullets are flying in all directions. All my Mozambican staff are lying on the floor, scared to death that they're going to die, she explained, her calm tone oddly dissonant with the facts she was communicating. What? What the heck are you doing? I shouted. I'm sitting at the table drinking tea with one of the other missionaries, but I need you to pray for the town because they're in full riot. The police are shooting hundreds of rounds in the air to scare the rioters off. The situation is escalating right outside our door. Would you pray that God would give them peace, please? Tracy, get your butt on the ground, I insisted. I'm fine, she replied with confidence. I mean, wow. This is a lady who really knows who her God is understands that there is no fear in love. Perfect love removes all fear. And that when she understands who God is, she can say yes to whatever he's asking her to do. And I just feel like there's so much that we can learn from her.